Your finances will leave a long-lasting impact on your family. After all, you only retire once. If you're looking to discuss all things pertaining to your retirement, you've come to the right place. This is Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another edition of Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart, founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial. We thank you for joining us here today on the podcast. If you've got questions or concerns, anytime uh, you hear something on the program, something you find useful or interesting, before you take any action, always check with a qualified professional. Reach out to Michael at 815-526-3092. That is 815-526-3092. 3092. And don't forget to check him out online at crystallaketax.com. That's crystallaketax.com. Subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can check out past episodes, get future episodes. Give us a like, give us a review on whatever platform of choice that it is that you use, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Google Play or whatever. We would certainly appreciate it. Uh, Michael's been doing this for quite a while. He's got an MBA in finance and is a registered financial consultant. And he's here with me now. Mike, how are you, bud? Doing great, Mark. How about yourself? I am hanging in there. I hope that you've had a good week or so since the last time I talked to you. I've been doing very well. How about yourself? I've been hanging in there pretty good. I was going to ask you before we get into our topic, obviously, since last time I talked to you, uh, at the time of this podcast taping, the Dow uh, blew up yet again and went up over 27, which was a first, and then it got up to like 27.3. And as of this morning, when we're taping this show, that's about where it's at, 27,003. Pretty crazy, huh? How it's just been, every time you think this thing's in May, it was sliding, sliding, sliding. And it seems like every time you think it's heading down, it, it does something and comes back. Yeah, the thing I find most interesting is because, you know, we kind of forget about the daily noise a little bit when mm-hmm. we tell our clients is taking a look at, although you get headlines almost every day, right. especially recently, sure. about the market hitting all-time highs. Right. If you take a look at where the Dow is right now, or even the S&P 500, it's basically fractions of a percent higher than it was in September. It's basically fractions of a percent higher than where it was in January of 2018. So if you take a look at kind of a 12 and 18 month chart, we've basically been trading almost sideways. So a lot of highs, a lot of lows, but we've been trading in a channel for about 18 months now. Yeah. And it's funny because that is a great point because that's not a sexy headline, right? You know, 27,000 is a sexy headline. (laughs) You know, it's a new new all time high. Sideways or uh, only up single digits over 18 months. uh, Yeah, that's not going to sell. Yeah, that doesn't sell as well. So yeah, I I just find it interesting. So I wanted to get your take on that. So thank you for sharing. And speaking of headlines, let's go ahead and hit a topic here I wanted to ask you about. Obviously, automation has been, we've been doing this for a while now as a society, as humans. We've had robotics in factories for many, many years. And continuing automation, I'll use the McDonald's example. So, for example, you know, the the wage rates increase argument that was going on, $15 an hour to work at McDonald's, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, a lot of the argument was, well, if they push for that and they get that, they may just cut jobs and use more automation. So now there are a lot of McDonald's where you can go in and you don't even give a person your order now. You just do it yourself at an automated uh, kiosk. Uh, Parking enforcement workers, uh, watch repairs, you know, so on and so forth. More and more things are basically just disappearing to automation. So my question for you is, do you see a time maybe when your occupation is no longer needed? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I mean, I've seen a lot of changes in the 20 years that I've been a financial planner from mm-hmm. going back to the late 90s where it was always upfront commissions. You know, there wasn't really a lot of fee-based advisors out there at that right. time. And a lot of it had to do with we were the gatekeeper. You know, if you wanted to buy stocks, you want to buy mutual funds, you needed financial instruments, you had to go through us. And with technological changes, you know, that's changed as well. You can go online and just open an account and start trading yourself. 
if you don't need the advice. Now, I think there's always going to be value in a good financial advisor. So not a broker or a product salesman, but a good financial advisor. And the reason is, if you take a look at, we counsel clients with this all the time, that 90% of your returns have mm -hmm. less to do with your allocation. You know, I mean, small caps, big caps, you know, larger caps, mid caps, how much do I have in bonds? 90% of your return, a lot of white papers have shown, actually come down to behavior. How do you actually operate in good markets and bad? Because human nature is to kind of flee when things are going bad, which means that you're selling at the absolute worst time. It right. also means that don't get too greedy when things are going well. You might want to take some chips off the table. So most of your return over a lifetime of investing is going to be about 90% related to your behavior and how you act in good markets and bad. And I think that that's truly the value of a financial advisor is somebody that's going to hold your hands and keep you reasonable when you think the market's only going to grow to the sky, but at the same time is going to kind of temper your concerns. And let me give you an example, just going back to December of 2018 or fourth quarter of last year. So the market from those September highs that we were talking about, you know, last September 2018, market hitting all-time highs, then all of a sudden we sold off about 19.8% going into Christmas. So almost a bear market, almost a 20% decline. And not within our office, but within the industry, there was a tremendous panic out there in the street with people with their 401ks and other things. And the reason was people were saying, oh, this may be the next start of something big. Right. Who knows? It could have very well been. But the biggest thing associated with that is people were selling out when the market was down 15, almost 20%. But if you take a look at history and you had a good kind of guiding hand from a financial advisor, we would have shared with you, sure, the market's down about 20%, but historically a bear market's going to go down about 30. So why would any rational person actually sell out when they're already, even in a worst case scenario, almost two thirds of the way through the pain? And then of course, you know, we know what we've done this year. We've rallied off about 28% from the Christmas day lows. So, you know, that's, I think, where the value of a good financial advisor with an understanding of stock market history and your goals is always going to have value. It's not going to be in product sales. It's going to be in holding your hand and providing that roadmap about how to succeed going forward. Yeah, I agree with you. I think there will always be a way. I mean, if you want to get products, just, you know, getting products is easy enough to do now automated wise in the financial world. But I think that's the case with a lot of, you know, I can't see the same like like with a lawyer, for example, you know, or even a doctor. There's a lot of ways you can. I mean, you can do teledoc nowadays. You can I mean, you're still talking to a person, but in a way you don't go see one. You know, you can uh, do a lot of different automated things, but there's always going to be some industries where I think people feel more comfortable just talking to a person and having a person that can kind of show them, you know, A, B, C, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, I definitely I agree. agree. I think if you provide value, there'll always be a, a role for you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's hit our topic today, uh, the, our main topic this week here on the podcast, and that is 401k weaknesses. Look, the 401k, it's a powerful tool. It's a great tool for retirement savings, but it is not perfect. So let's just talk about some weaknesses to maybe be aware of when it comes to the alphabet soup, whether it's 401k or 403b or TSP or 457, whatever. Uh, you get the idea. So i got a couple bullet points for you here, Michael. Just tell us what you think on these administrative costs. Certainly a place where there's a few weaknesses. Yeah, administrative costs. If you're with a big plan, you know, you're a Fortune 500 company and, you know, you've got your money parked over at Fidelity and Vanguard and T. Rowe Price and that, chances are administrative costs aren't as burdensome. 
But when you get a lot of small employer plans so with employers trying to do the right thing, so this could be in SEP IRAs, simple IRAs, even some 401ks, especially if they're sponsored by an insurance company or so, is that the employer is trying to do the right thing and provide a 401k a retirement plan for their employees. But the thing is, because they don't have the scale of some of these larger ones, some of the investment choices within them carry significantly higher fees than maybe their counterparts. You know, so if you've got a, you know, use Vanguard as an example, you've got a bunch of Vanguard index funds in your 401k, you know, you might be paying 0.1, 0.3 as an internal fee. You never see it, but it's there, you know, but it's reasonable. But I've seen 401k plans and business retirement plans where clients are paying one, one and a half, almost 2% in internal costs. And in addition to your behavior, like we discussed earlier, there's a large part of your returns. Managing costs inside your retirement plan is huge too, especially as it grows. So you definitely want to be cognizant of what those administrative costs are. I think that's a great place to look at as one possible weakness, if you will, of the 401k. Uh, Let's talk about mutual funds. Well, it's that and not a whole lot else. Yeah, this comes across my desk a lot when we're talking with clients, especially if they're nearing or really approaching retirement, is we take a look at, say, okay, you know, let's take a look at what you have outside of the 401k, and let's take a look at what you have within the 401k or the business retirement plan. And many times on the mutual fund side, one of the biggest issues that we see is that, once again, they don't have a lot of flexibility as far as choices that they have which means that let's say, you know, we want to get a little bit more conservative because we know we're within three to five years of retirement or we're right at retirement thinking about keeping the 401k or should I roll it over? And then we say, okay, well, let's take a look at what you have and see if we could just use the existing investments that you have in here. And then we take a look and we say, okay, so they give you 30 choices. 30 sounds like a good number, right? That's a lot of choices. Right. But then we go, okay, there are 26 stock funds. Now, yes, there's international emerging markets and small and mid and large and all these. But at the same time, what they don't have are other options available to you that if you want to get more conservative, you've got 26 different stock funds to be risky and aggressive, maybe three bond funds that only pay you maybe two, three percent, or or maybe you can put it in cash in a money market paying you one percent or less. So that really doesn't give you a whole lot of options within that. So a lot of times we'll talk with clients once they're 59 and a half, even if they're still going to continue to work with that same company, most plans will allow you to do what they call an in-service rollover. And what that means is since you're a little bit older, since you're closer to retirement, once you hit 59 and a half, you can actually roll most of the balance out of that 401k and you still get to continue to contribute. So nothing changes that way, but you can roll that over to an individual retirement account and IRA where now you have the whole universe of options available to you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if we're going to talk about the mutual funds, Michael, let's talk about the fact that typically 401ks also have a bit limited in the asset classes. A lot of times it's just large cap. I guess there's some mid and some small and so on and so forth, but that tends to be the focus. Yeah, they're pretty vanilla and they're designed to be that way because they're for the masses. But when you start trying to customize to your actual experience, now all of a sudden you've got to start looking at things like, do I want to include commodities? You know, do I want oil and gas and copper? 
do I want to add real estate? You know, there's some real estate investment trusts that are out there, which you know, are just companies that buy real estate and pass good dividends of, you know, five to eight percent of dividends as an income stream to you. Many times those aren't available within 401ks or maybe, you know, either you or your advisor, you say, hey, I, I really like what's going on in healthcare right now. Or I think like the past decade that technology is going to outperform the market itself. Those are what you call sector funds, where you could actually go in and target and put a certain amount of your money in specific asset classes. Once again, like real estate, healthcare, technology, energy, because then that lets you kind of get an extra kicker for returns, you know, if the thesis is right on why we chose to go that direction. So a lot of times within 401ks, they're more plain vanilla options of saying, here's your small cap, mid cap, large cap, here's your international, here's your bond. But there's so many other sectors that are available, but many times you're limited within your 401k. Well, Michael, let's finish up our conversation about 401k weaknesses. We covered some good things for folks to think about that, again, it's a great tool, but depending on the time of life and you're in and things that you're trying to accomplish, you know, it definitely is not perfect. So you always want to talk with your advisor about ways you can be maximizing things to whatever vehicle it is to its highest potential. So let's finish off with just kind of the subpar conservative investment angle. If you want conservative investments, you're not going to find a lot of choices in the 401k. Usually, I guess some bond funds and stable value fund, things of that nature. But again, right, you, you risk analysis, time horizon, all those things come together. Absolutely. So when you go and go back to where we had started about even just the mutual funds as selections in general is, you know, you've got 30 funds, 26 of them are stock funds. Right. Well, if you're a couple of years away from retirement, sure, you still want to get a reasonable rate of return, but you can't afford to take a lot of risk because this is what you have to last you for, you know, a 25, 35 year retirement going forward. So, you know, that's one of the flaws of some of the 401ks and why we do those in-service rollovers with individuals 59 and a half and older is because all of a sudden they say, you know what, I'm not trying to hit the home run anymore. If I get to earn four, five, six, seven percent just consistently on a regular basis without taking all the risk of the market, that's what I'm looking for. You know, and then even going back to the comment that you said about bond funds. So they'll put bond funds in there. So, you know, the aggregate bond fund, it's paying you 2.8 percent, you know, as an income stream. But then what we do is I go up on the whiteboard and say, you know, within fixed income, there's all these other bonds and bond like instruments where you can get three to 4% on investment grade, mid-grade bonds. You can get up to 6% on preferred. You could get six to 8% on real estate investment trusts. So some combination of all these things can actually get even your conservative portfolio yielding 4%, 5% plus. Now, now, that's not the home run that's a stock market in that, but if you're at the point in life where you say, I'm not trying to get that home run, I don't care what's going on in the markets. What I want to do is have moderate growth with limited risk. Then that's why you got to start looking outside the 401k at some of the other options that maybe might be a little bit more conservative for you so you can retain that money that you need in the upcoming retirement. Well, that's our main topic this week here on the podcast on Retirement Matters. 401k weaknesses. Again, if you have questions or concerns, anytime you hear something, always check with a qualified professional like Michael Stewart. Give him a call at 815-526-3092. That's 815-526-3092. And let's finish up this week's podcast with an email question from David in Oakbrook. And he says, I have no children or close family, and I don't care about leaving money to charities. 
Should that change how I invest since I don't care about a legacy? Interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I hear this all the time, David. So, you know, sometimes it's either there's you know, no children or maybe they're never married, widow, widower. You know, circumstances change a little bit. And so should it change how you invest if you don't care about the legacy? The answer is somewhat. And it's somewhat because, you know, let's say, David, you know, let's say you're in your 60s right now. So you're approaching retirement early in retirement and you say, well, you know, I'm not trying to leave a big bucket of money at 85 or 95 for anybody else. So I'm just going to spend through it. The two things that I would counsel you with would be, first of all, you know, how are we generating income in retirement? So although there is no certain you know, bucket of money we're trying to leave on the back end, what we want to do is make sure that this money lasts as long as we do. So we want to make sure that we've got sustainable, predictable lifetime income. Now, whether that comes from a pension, whether that comes from an annuity, whether it just comes from interest and dividends off of our fixed income, you know, that's a completely different scenario and it's going to be unique to everybody. But the key thing, the first thing that we tackle is, okay, since we don't have this support structure financially around us of, you know, kids or spouse or so, then we start looking at, you know, how are we going to generate sustainable, predictable lifetime income that's going to last as long as we do independent of how much money's left on the back end. The second thing, and probably the biggest concern for me, you know, just after the lifetime income, is concerns about health care. So although we don't want to leave this, once again, big bucket of money at the end for a legacy to a charity or kids or anything, we need to make sure that it's going to be available for us or that we have some sort of insurance type thing that's going to mitigate any potential long-term care any kind of, you know, whether it's home-based or at an assisted living facility, whatever it happens to be, because the chances are greater than 50%, David, that at some point, if you live long enough, once you hit 65, you've got over a 50% chance of needing some sort of either home or in facility health care. So what we want to do is make sure that those assets, one, can provide a lifetime income for you, and two, can provide the resources and income available for you if there are health care concerns when you're in your 70s or 80s. All right. Well, great question, David. Thanks so much for submitting that into the program. Go to the website, crystallaketax.com, if you'd like to submit your own questions or if you want to check out the team. Got a lot of good tools, tips, and resources on the website. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast as well. You can find us there and you can subscribe to it on Apple or Google or whatever platform you want. Give us a like, give us a review, share this with friends and family, folks that you think might benefit from it. And we appreciate your time here on the podcast. This has been Retirement Matters with Michael Stewart, founder at Crystal Lake Tax and Financial with his office in Crystal Lake, Illinois. So give him a call, 815-526-3092. And Michael, thanks for your time this week, my friend. I hope you have a good one, and I will talk to you soon. All right, good catching up with you again, Mark. Absolutely. We'll catch you next time here on Retirement Matters. Investment advisory services offered through Sound Income Strategies, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisory firm. The information provided herein is for training or educational purposes only and does not constitute an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any securities, investments, investment strategies, or investment advice relating to securities, nor is the information or representation that any security is a suitable or appropriate investment for any person. Before acting on any advice, you should consider the appropriateness of the advice having regard to your own objectives, financial situation and needs. Please contact us to obtain our disclosure brochure relating to the services offered by Sound Income Strategies, LLC, and consider its contents before making any decisions. Where quoted, past performance is not indicative of future performance. 
Sound Income Strategies LLC does not represent or warrant that the contents of this program are suitable for you from a compliance, regulatory, legal, or any other perspective. We shall have no responsibility for your use or non-use of the program or any portion thereof. Crystal Lake Tax and Financial and Sound Income Strategies LLC are not associated entities.